Yes, I'm on. Hopefully, I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. Exodus 25. And so, as we're looking through, I said I was going to try to switch up some things a little bit, and I'm trying to do that tonight, so we'll see how it comes out. All right. So, Exodus 25, we've been looking at, we were looking last week at the table of showbread, and we got through the table, but we didn't get to the bread. So, not, Lord willing, we're going to look at the bread before we get to, uh, the next piece of furniture here, and as we have mentioned in the past, you know, we're looking, uh, you know, we skipped as we was going through the New Testament on Sunday nights. Uh, we started in First Timothy, went through Third uh, John uh, and Jude. Actually, we did get Jude, but we didn't get to Revelation, so we stopped at Revelation and said, hmm, where to now? And uh, we didn't go to Hebrews. We kind of skipped over Hebrews when we was going through the uh, through the Bible there, and uh, I felt led because of all that's in the tabernacle, not only the furniture, furniture, furnishings, of course, Brother Tim in our men's Sunday school class mentioned the temple uh, that was built after the tabernacle, and much could be said what we are saying about the ta- uh, tabernacle uh, to the temple as, as well. Um, uh, because many of the same uh, sections that were in the tabernacle were also in the temple, and uh, the materials in the tabernacle, uh, same with the temple, and a lot of these things that we're pointing out uh, uh, equally applies to uh, what we find in the temple uh, uh, that uh, that Solomon built, and uh, it was it was very um, magnificent, a lot more. Uh, so then the tabernacle, the tabernacle when we get there uh, was covered in badger skins. So a lot of the glory was covered up. Uh, the glory in the, uh, of the tabernacle in the, and plus they had a, a fence around it, you know, so a lot of the outside folks couldn't see in, couldn't see all that was going on in there. And again, it was covered up with a badger skin, which was kind of a pale blue from what I can uh, understand uh, in, in, in reading and things and and uh, just uh, very, you know, not, um, not comely to look at. But that was, again, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, there was nothing magnificent to look upon him, uh, according to the book of Isaiah. Um, you know, there was nothing as far as his looks or anything like that. So, um, but again, uh, but what was on the inside uh, held some great truths, and we're going through that and, and looking at that. And so uh, it was interesting, like we, we, we uh, talked about the, uh, in the tabernacle when they brought all the materials for the tabernacle to be built, and then Brother Tim read tonight uh, where the materials for the temple, and people willingly gave, and it was a blessing uh, to me. So we're going to look here at the um, table of showbread again and just deal with uh, the, 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 ta- the, sh- the bread tonight. So verse number 23, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a, uh, and, uh, and a, cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereunto a crown of gold round about, and thou shalt make uh, unto it a border of an handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it <clears throat> four rings of gold, and put the rings 
in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for the places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make of the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. And it, it's always. And so, so there's that. So this uh, showbread. And uh, I know that um, we read eschew, uh, E-S-H-E-W, Lots of times when we read S H E W when it's in the in the in the New Testament, some people read it shoe, and that's fine. So we could say shoe bread uh, here, show bread. I've heard it there, and I've heard people pronounce S H E W as show, and uh, uh, because uh, so uh, one of the things that uh, you know was pointed out is you know as as show bread, it was to be seen. You know, it was it was there, it was to be seen. And we're going to see that there was twelve loaves. Uh, there upon it. So if you'll turn, uh, we're going to see a little bit about that. Let me see here. Leviticus chapter uh, 24. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 24. We see a little bit more about the bread itself uh, and the instructions given to uh, the priest about the bread itself. Leviticus 24 and verse number 5. Leviticus 24 verse 5. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two-tenth deals shall be in one cake. And I read where the two-tenth deals uh, equals uh, two omer. I mean, equals, uh, yeah, two omers. So um, just where I read it, uh, I, don't, I haven't uh, put that together, but I just read it there in a commentary, but I haven't uh, read it in, in other places too verify that but so they're going to make two tenth deals shall be in one cake and thou shalt set them in two rows six on a row upon the pure table before the Lord and thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial even an offering made by fire unto the Lord every Sabbath he, sh- he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons. And they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire a perpetual statute. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for... This day, I thank you, Lord, for this morning's services. I pray, Lord, for uh, Miss Myra's granddaughter that you'd guide and direct her and her life. And I pray, Lord, again for the grandson that's in the army that will be here next week, that you'd work in it and the services next week as well. Move mightily uh, upon uh, the services uh, Wednesday and, and next week. But, Lord, as we prepare for the revival services, we pray and ask your presence uh, uh, in, in those services, and that you'll guide and direct Brother Heffington to the messages for each time that he stands. I pray, Lord, for tonight. Lord, help us to see uh, this type of Christ in the showbread, and uh, Lord, uh, his pureness and his holiness and his, his suffering as we look into this. And uh, Lord, help us to be holy as you are holy, 
And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen and amen. So there's lots there. A lot of times we people, you know, when we, or we read, we read over a lot of things. You know, we're going through the tabernacle just to get your daily Bible reading in. <laughs> you go through the genealogies just to get your daily Bible reading in. We just like read it to get through it to say that we read it. Guilty? <laughs> you know, we, we, we read over things oftentimes. And that's why I like to, you know, take the time to slow down on some of these things because we read over the fact that, uh, of course, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, we see that two times in verse number 7 and verse number 9 speaks of the suffering, and that's, that's probably my last point. Uh, but, uh, you know, every set, it was set in order. And, you know, God is a God of order. And... and you know, all the time when we see the word order, lots of times we just, we just don't consider it. But there is an order to everything that he did in the tabernacle. There was an order to every one of the sacrifices. There was an order. He's a God of order. And, I mean, you know, maybe it happened tonight for a reason. I don't know. But, you know, we, we discount this kind of stuff. And for those on tape, it's, I picked up some trash in the parking lot. We discount that. Oh, it's just a little kid. They don't know no better. Well, we need to teach them, you know. I mean, you know, and just, uh, you know, brother, and, and looking at the grass two days ago, it looked fine. We didn't have the rain. It doesn't need mowed. And then it seems like, like I was discussing with Brother uh, Tim last night, overnight those he called them foxtails. Just poof, they were there. Where'd they come from? And all of a sudden, you know, they're there. And he said, "You want me to knock them down?" I said, "Just lease right out here in front of the building." So we did, and we'll get the, we'll get it mowed the rest of the way this week. But you know, looking at the rest of the grass, it's this tall. It doesn't need mowed. It's just all them little things, you know. And and I appreciate people having the the vision and having the eye for. Things that need to be picked up and tidied up and things that just are out of order, you know, around the church house. And so when we went, you know, if everybody would just, you know, if we see, if we pull in, if we pull in back here, and we see the people on Saturday night that, Friday night, that throwed stuff out, you know, in our ditches, uh, then just, you know, get some gloves, get a bag, turn it over your hand, pick it up. Turn it back over and put it in the trash can. Because, you know, it's a testimony um, to the other people that go by. I appreciated uh, the one, the neighbors down here, Mrs. Allison. They said that, you know, they come up here and oftentimes they're on their motorbikes and they'll just turn around right here and go back down. and uh, Or they're out for a ride. And uh, oftentimes, you know, they said that, look, we, you know, we pay attention to who might be sitting in the parking lot. We we try to keep an eye as we're turning. We always look over at the parking lot. I appreciate folks that do that. But at the same time, people are looking. You know, people are watching and people are seeing things. And, and I, you know, appreciate just like for a long time, you know, it just bugged me to see those columns out front half painted. <laughs> but now we have painted those again to try to just, just to add some order back to because God is a God of order. We we read over these things a whole lot of times, and uh, you know, they call it a pure table here, and uh, the memorial. These little words that we just read, 
that have a meaning to it. You know, you can talk about the offerings, because it's an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You can talk about memorials. I mean, so you can take the one word, these one word out of this that we oftentimes read over and just take a whole study on, on these things. And so, you know, as you're reading and you're studying the word, you know, lots of times, you know, uh, better to read a little and to get what God wants you out of, uh, what God wants you to have out of it and slow you down and, and say, okay, let's look at this word. Let's look at the other uh, references about this and about that uh, versus just read to be reading. Okay, I got so many chapters done today, you know, and that kind of thing. And so, so anyway, we see that this table of showbread is in the tabernacle. It is in the holy place, not the holy of holies, but it is in the holy place. There's three pieces of furniture there. Uh, we see, of course, the Ark of the Covenant is in the holy of, holiest of holies back in there. And out here we see the table of showbread, we see the altar of incense, and we see, uh, we'll see the altar of incense and the candlestick. Uh, so the table of showbread, it was attended to. It said in our reading that Aaron and his sons were to were the only ones to be able to partake of it. Uh, it caused the bread, um, let's see here, I think it's where it is. Here, let me see here. Where was that? Leviticus. Uh, okay. Here in verse number, yeah, uh, Verse number 9 of Leviticus 24, And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So the the bread was holy unto him. And then, of course, it was only by Aaron and the priests. Of course, we are the priesthood in the New Testament, uh, the priesthood of believers. And when the, rent, the veil was rent in twain, access was given, you know, we, we can minister. And we'll see some of that in the New Testament writings. But again, when we see it in the New Testament, that's one reason I went back, felt the Lord that led me back to the Old Testament to go through these things so that we'll understand Hebrews. We'll understand some things that we see in Revelation. You know, of course, hopefully if we go through Hebrews, then I'll go back to Daniel to be able to go to Revelation if we can. I know that's a lot. That's a lot to bite off. I know. Uh, to hear, you know, to hear, um, you know, that uh, brother, um, brother Josh, uh, mm-hmm. Shepherd. There we go. Was going through Daniel that at Pollard, um, you know, and bringing some things out there. Because I know there's a lot of discussion about some of the passages in Daniel, and uh, and and sometimes it's some serious meat to chew on. And, uh, and to, not only to, to understand it yourself, but then to be able to bring it down to a place where everybody else, you know, as you preach it, as you teach it, can understand it as well. Sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it can be a little difficulty, and sometimes people will say, I just don't see it that way. So anyway, uh, but maybe we can do that, and the Lord being our helper. So um, going back to Exodus twenty five thirty, And thou shalt set upon the table of showbread before me, Always. So the bread was on the table. We see it was in two rows of six. Uh, we also see it, each, each loaf, each, uh, if you want to call it a loaf, uh, there in our reading here in Leviticus, uh, it talked about um, uh, thou shalt take fine flour and bake 12 cakes. It's all a cake, not a loaf, a cake. 12 cakes thereof, two tenths deals shall be in one cake. And so fine flour. 
It was sifted well. I heard just a little bit of a, a conversation between uh, Josh and Randy Kay. said something about, I, I guess you used regular flour versus bread flour. Did you use bread flour today? Okay. So which one did you say you like best? Okay. <laughs> so he likes the all-purpose flour. And which, what does the recipe call for? Or Either one. Okay, he likes all-purpose better than bread. He used bread this morning. They were great rolls. And uh, especially when I sopped it in her, <laughs> in her stew. <laughs> I like that sop, all right? So you took, I took half a roll, put it in there, and that was my crackers for her stew. They said, hey, I, you know, I don't like a soup. I like to, to soak it all up in something and just eat it that way. That's me. But anyway, it was good together, and we talked about I heard that conversation. He used bread flour. He prefers the all-purpose flour, I guess, for the, te- the texture and one thing. At least it makes biscuits. My grandmother just swore by white lily flour. And you go, you get white lily flour and you get just the, some of the generic flours uh, and you compare them when you open up the bag and you just, if you just scooped out a handful of each, you'll see that the white lily, all, I mean, the white lily um, self-rising or all-purpose flour, just white lily grinds it a little finer than some of the generic brands, some of the store brands. They just grind, grind it a little finer. I don't know if it's as fine as bread flour or not, but it's finer than a lot of the flours that you get. Lisa didn't have white lily one time, and she wanted to make biscuits, and she's like, I can't make biscuits with this. I've just got this other generic, no-name brand, self-rising flour. I said, it's flour. You can make biscuits, but it's not white lily. I said, just make some biscuits. And she made biscuits, and they turned out all right, and they tasted okay. They filled the void. You put butter on them. You put jelly on them. You put sausage on them. They were good. But you could tell the difference in the flour as far as the texture of the biscuit. They were still good biscuits, but there was a difference. And, and, And that, I'll set all that to say this. He said it wasn't just any flour for the showbread. It was to be fine flour, fine flour. In other words, it was, it was ground to a fine uh, uh, a texture, which speaks of the sufferings that Christ uh, experienced in his, in his life, but it also speaks of the purity. You know, you, you, one of the differences between the white lily and the generic, you can put the generic in a sifter. You know what those are? Oh. <laughs> And we have two types of sifters at the house. We kind of got the one that you just squeeze back, and it's got the little uh, squeeze handle back and forth. Lisa don't like that one. Or we got the kind that's got the handle on the side. We like that one. All right, so you put it in the sifter. One of the things about the two flowers is the white lily has a tendency to have less impurities in the sifter than the generic flower because it's been processed a little bit more. And that's exactly what processing that's what fire does to gold that's what fire does to silver it burns off all the impurities the impurities rise to the top the the dross is 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 taken out the impurities of course christ is not does not have any impurities in him like we do us uh but 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 the whole the whole point is you know it's pure it's fine it's suffered And 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 in, in that his pointing to his life, he was pure. He was 
fine. It, he was not just any old flour. He was not just any old bread. And we're going to see in John where he declares himself being the bread of life. And, and he suffered. We see it by fire there in Leviticus twice. Fire it speaks of his suffering again. And, 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 and the fire does not, you know, change the bread. He was pure in the fact, fine flour. It just holds together there. And so, John chapter 6, verse number 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Verse number 47 of the same chapter, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And just emphatically, I am that bread of life. Just a good emphatic statement. I mean, there's no questioning that. Jesus declared, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And that was a hard saying. <laughs> Many people departed after this. They couldn't hand, they, they didn't understand. They couldn't understand. They thought, how can we physically eat his flesh? How can he give of his flesh for us to eat? That's, that's foreign. But he wasn't speaking literally. He was speaking by faith. You know, and again, when we, we can go back to the man in the wilderness in Exodus, when he, when he sent manna down there, he said, what is this? And he gave specific instructions for the manna. Go out and pick up an omer per person for that day, every day. If you pick up less than an omer, when you prepared it, you had an omer. He was going to make sure that you had sufficient. But if you picked up more than what you needed and you kept it, it was going to rot. Because he required of you to go out each and every day and pick up for each person in your household that certain amount. And then it's no, it's no coincidence that in Matthew chapter 6, in the model prayer, when he says, give us this day our daily bread. We can, we, can, uh, we can apply that in several different areas of our lives. When we look into, into the Word of God, give me what I need today, Lord. You know what I face today. That's why I appreciate Brother Shelby Wilson at Island Ford. When he first got saved, got saved later in life. And uh, he was working at the time as a sawyer in a sawmill. From what I understand, he's a pretty good sawyer. And uh, he, um, he's like, you know, I just go and work around them cussing bunch. And he's testifying. He goes, and I come home, and I'm reading, putting on the whole armor of God. <laughs> but feeling defeated, and he said the Lord spoke to him and said, you're putting on the armor at the end of the day, after the battle's over. 
you need to put on the armor before you go to battle. He said, change your Bible reading to the morning time before you go. So he adjusted his time of devotion, and he got up earlier, read his Bible, and went out with the whole armor of God on. And he said, you know, he found some victories in that. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, he gives us what we need. It's all, he, he's all that we need. There's satisfaction in Jesus Christ as the bread of life. He gives us eternal life because he says there, he that, uh, let's see here, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He that cometh on me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And so, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, verse 47, hath, everlasting life, and again, emphatically, I am that bread of life. And the word life there means a whole lot of things. It's that everlasting life that we find. This is John chapter 4, John chapter 3. That everlasting life is found in him. And that gospel message, but the gospel message is not in his life, the gospel message is belief in his, be- his death for your sins, his burial and his resurrection. And we see that in, that in that passage in Leviticus. If Jesus Christ is that bread of life and looking at this showbread in typology of Jesus Christ, the fact that he said there in verse number absolutely seven, and now shalt put pure frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread for memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. We see it also in verse number 9. And it shall be Aaron's, Aaron, Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat, in, uh, eat of it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord. Again, made by fire, a perpetual statute. So made by fire. And we see that speaks of the sufferings. And then... Uh, yeah, the sufferings of the Lord. So, let me see here. I am all out of whack, but we're going to get it back into whack again. So, Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4, verse number 7. And upon the table of showbread, so it's, uh, the showbread is called showbread here in our reading, uh, but then it's also uh, in Numbers chapter 4, verse number 7, known as continual bread, continual bread. And upon the table of showbread, they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put there on the dishes and the spoons. This is when it's getting ready to be moved. The dishes and the spoons and the bowls and covers to cover with all, and the continual bread shall be thereon. So this is, they're getting ready to move. It talks about what type of coverings on the furniture shall be, but it calls the continual bread. The continual bread. Whenever we read there in Leviticus, uh, as the uh, priest ministered to the on the bread, they would min- they would change it out once a week on the Sabbath. So they had already pre uh, they had already prepared the new bread, the new cake, as it says in the in the scriptures, the new cake, and would bring the new cakes to replace the old cake with. So it was always on the table. It was continual. Continual bread. It was on the table even when they moved it. It was on the table. So this speaks of his, of Christ's immutability. He never changes. He's always there. 
Hebrews chapter 7, or much in Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews 7. And, so if you want to turn there and hold your place, because we're in Hebrews 7 and 2 and several in Hebrews here again, understanding the old speaks to the new. So if we get into Hebrews next, then we rehearse it, and then you'll, un, you'll already have seen some of it already. Uh, Hebrews 7, verse number 23 and they truly and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, speaking of Christ, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He continueth ever. And so the continual bread, as, it spoke, as the showbread is spoken of in Numbers chapter 4, speaks of Christ. He continueth ever. Ever, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, you're familiar with this one. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And so, so it's a continual bread. He, his, his, his ministry is and his life continueth ever. That's why we have everlasting life in him as the bread of life. Woo. Everlasting, eternal. I love those words. Eternal gives the connotation of, you know, of no beginning and no end. Everlasting gives the connotation of having a beginning but no end. Everlasting. And we see both of those in John chapter number 3. And it spoke of as hallowed bread. Hallowed bread, 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21. And this... And I don't know, I'm pretty sure that we probably touched it because we finished David, but as Brother Tim in the men's Sunday school class was talking about David and some of his exploits there, as David flees to Elimelech and to Achish, he needed some food. <laughs> and he stopped by, stopped by the priest. He stopped by Elimelech. Verse number one, then came... David to Nob to Elimelech the priest, and Elimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Elimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath sent unto and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to do such and such a place. Or to such and such, to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And so it's. Hallowed bread. Hallowed bread. It's holy. It is set aside. It is sanctified. It is set apart. It is separated. Do these terms sound familiar in the New Testament? How we, as a child of God, are supposed to be all those things? The people of God were supposed to be these things in, uh, as we read... um, Let's see, in, I think it was in Leviticus. There we go. In Leviticus, 
20, verse 26, And ye shall be holy, talking about the people of Israel, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. And then in Hebrews 7, 26 and 27, For such an high priest became us, for such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth, needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the, sin, uh, for the people's. For he is once, or for, he, for this he did once when he offered up himself. But verse number 26, he for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So speaking of Christ. So again, in comparison to Christ and the bread, he's sanctified, he's holy, he's set apart, he's hallowed. And when you see the word hallowed in, again, the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. But then as he is holy, we ought to be holy. He done said that in, to the people of Israel there in Leviticus 20, but First Peter, we've been there, First Peter 1, 13 through 16, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is uh, to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He's speaking to the children of God, New Testament saints. We are to be, and he goes on later in, in Peter and talks about being that peculiar people. We're, people should look at us and say there's something different. And in relation to what we preached this morning and what we preached last week, especially this morning, you know, in the sufferings. And it's the old, the old adage, you're the only Bible that some people read. They see you and they see you in your sufferings, they see you in your troubles, they see you in your tribulations, or they just see you in your daily ministration, your daily walk, your daily conversation. As it mentioned there, verse number 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Our walk, our talk, our dress, our attitude. Our attitude in afflictions, our attitude in life in general. And yes, we are flesh. And yes, we look at the world and go, or you know, we hear the news and go, ah. But then the Spirit goes, it's okay. These things must come to pass. You're, you're over here in Revelation 21. <laughs> you got a new name. You're in the multitude of witnesses. We're already in the future when we read those passages. We're one of them. Hallelujah. When we get a hold of that, it's like we, we, like Paul, can face those things with some grace. 
We can face those things understanding that, and I didn't go there this morning, but Paul understood that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And eventually that did happen to Paul. But he was a chosen vessel. And Damascus, and shortly thereafter, I mean, he told Ananias, he's a chosen vessel. Not only to go to the Gentiles, but I believe to experience some of those sufferings. So he could write what he wrote this morning in 2 Corinthians 1. Understanding why his sufferings was for, for the consolation of the children of God, for the salvation of those if I suffer to bring, you know, you're looking at my life, my conversation. We dealt with this this morning. I don't want to preach it again. You're looking at my conversation. The world sees my conversation. You abound in the conversation. The conversation of all the things that we suffered and all the places, you know, all the things that's come to us. But it's for your sake. And I know it's conversation in the churches, but it, you know, those that are without and they hear and they're like, how in the world? We done stoned him, but he's down there preaching again. <laughs> you know, a lot of times when men, you know, some people scoff when Paul was on Mars Hill. This is a, when, Ma, when Paul was at Mars Hill. You know, there was there were scoffers when he, you know, he spoke of the resurrection. They're like, Pfft. and so there's people that scoffed at that, but then there was others that believed. All through there, there was always those that didn't and went on. But there was always a, that little few, or we always in the reading, and some believed. So, we're to be holy, as he is holy. And then we see all of that, and we see it again, and we've done read it in Leviticus 24, 9, and it, shall, and it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is holy unto him. So Christ was sinless. Christ was holy. We're to be followers. We that are followers of Christ is to, are to be holy as he is holy. We're to be separated. We are in him. He's separated He's perfect, he's holy, he's set apart, and we're to be that peculiar people to follow suit as Christ-like children of God. He's still working, and he is still working on us. And that's what revival is all about. To just examine ourselves. And again, yes, hallelujah if the evangelist preaches on, a, you know, preaches a... a, a an evangelistic message, a salvation message, and the sinners are here and convicted and come. Hallelujah, and may it happen. But like Brother Glenn pointed out in Sunday school this morning, revival is for the saints. We, I mean, I know backsliding is not in the New Testament, but that principle in the Old Testament referring to Israel it happened to them. It can happen to us. We can get, we can get out of sort, out of tune. 
off track, whatever word you want to use there, sideways. We need to be straightened up, tuned up, fixed up. And that's what revival is for. And coming into revival, you should come to church that way, but coming into revival, a special protracted meeting, a time set aside for examination. And again, having the Lord's table at the end of that, I hope and trust that we will purpose in our hearts to examine ourselves, to just to lay ourselves bare and to be, like we said last Sunday morning, yielded unto righteousness. Yielded unto God for righteousness' sake. And again, that goes back to us being holy as he is holy. Not sin unto unrighteousness, but unto God for righteousness' sake. Whew. All right, and then, so the pureness in his suffering. We see that he's holy, verse 29, I mean, 20, Leviticus 24, 9, and we see the suffering by fire. And it says, Unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire a perpetual statute. Perpetual statute. It's something set in set. Luke chapter 14, 13 speaks or tells us that this is after the temptation. Verse number 13, verse number 12 says, you dealt with the last temptation there in Luke's writing, but Luke 4.13 says, And when the devil had ended, we, we, allude, we touched on this this morning, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So the devil had ended all the temptation. Who was he tempting? He was tempting Christ. And then he departed, not forever, or a season. In Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, speaking to his pureness. And the purity of that bread, that unleavened bread, the pure, that fine flour, unleavened, no leaven in it. Matthew speaks 11, 1 Corinthians speaks 11. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's a type of sin. There was no sin in Christ. He was pure. You look up, and I, we, we kind of went through some of this. We look up, you look up um, communion bread, if you make it yourself. There are some people that actually make it with salt in it. Miss Pam and Brother Glenn, they don't. There's no salt in this. It's just flour. Unleavened, nothing but the flour. And, you know, when you look at that, I, did, I thought about that. I didn't think about it until just now. I mean, unleavened bread will keep a long time. There was some that was store-bought communion bread at Island Ford, <laughs> that they would take out what they needed for the Lord's table. It was in a plastic bag. And I know it was used for years. 
And I often, you know, I worked there at the station, and, and that was conversation uh, oftentimes. It's like, is this still any good? And it was. I'm living in it. No moisture got to it. It was kept, kept up, and it kept, kept pure for a long, long time. And so as it sat there on the table of showbread, and that was another thing in, in, in the fact the word show, it was for all to, all to be able to see. I mean, it was, it was out in the open, within the Holy of Holies. It's for the priest to see. We understand that. But as we look back at it, it was for everybody. It was accessible to everybody. We done talked about the height of the table. It was accessible. Christ is accessible. Christ is presented to all. All may come to Christ. The fact that uh, the, 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 it talked about, oh, like, we'll get to that in a second. So, prudence and suffering. That's me get ahead of myself. So, for he himself, uh, Hebrews 2, uh, 18, for, for, in that he, he, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are, temp, that are tempted. And we dealt with that this morning. Because of Christ being tempted, or I'm sorry, suffered being tempted, has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And so Paul found strength in that as I preached this morning. And then he found strength in the Lord, and then because of his strength, and he was able to share that. That's again this morning's message. But then Hebrews 2, 9 and 10 Going back up into Hebrews, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him to whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And then again, that fine flower speaks of. The grinding of the wheat. The fire. So the bread, whether it's oil or water put to it, put in the oven, no leaven, put in the fire, speaks of suffering. And Christ's sufferings, like it says there, like it says, brings many sons to glory. Hallelujah. And then the rows being the same size, and the ingredients are all equal in him, and have the same access to him. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 through 28. For, for ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. This is everybody. Man, woman, boy, girl, Jew, Gentile. We'll see that in a second. We all got to come the same way. It's all the same. All those cakes on that table of showbread were exactly the same. Exactly the same measures. Week after week. Changed out on the Sabbath. Stayed fresh, that's a whole other line of thought. Christ through the centuries, the same yesterday, the day, and forever. Available to all. And by any, everybody, all ye, any of these, neither Jew, we see them in verse 28. All of the, uh, for ye all are, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So anybody puts faith in Christ Jesus are the children of God. Verse number 27, For as many of you 
as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, neither is there Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free, neither is there, I'm sorry, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of people will take that passage and misuse it. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying misuse it in other places. On that male, female, Jew, Gentile, and so on and so forth. Bond or free. That'll, that'll, that's why, oh, what's her face on the TV says that she can be able to do what she does. She's out of place. That ain't what it's talking about. It's talking about salvation. Verse number 26, context. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So by faith in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There are some saved Jewish people, and there's plenty of saved Greek people. I'm one of them. You come from Greece? No. But my ancestry did, or at least somewhere along the way, come from Europe. I'm not a Jew, and it's either Jew or Greek. I mean, in the Scriptures, and again, and then male or female, a female believer got the same way, got in Christ the same way I did, by faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation, bond or free, all one in Christ Jesus. In South, that's my salvation based on verse number 26. And then so we're he's accessible. The bread was the same size. And again, when I was reading, studying this out, they said, you know, they, it was one cake representing each of the 12 tribes. Some of the tribes were larger than the others, but it didn't matter. All the representations was exactly the same. Rich or poor... Old or young, male or female, it didn't matter. All accessible and all were represented exactly the same. Christ is exactly the same in salvation for everyone. Through belief in him, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Again, in reference to Christ. We partook of him... He said there in John chapter 6, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, and again it goes back to reference, by faith in Jesus Christ. If any man eateth Eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He had to give his life for salvation. 
And again, that goes back to 1 Corinthians 15 that, that Paul preached that Christ died for our sins. If he had came and established his kingdom and lived forever, there would be no hope for us. Right. But because he gave his life, he laid his, no man took it from him, he laid it down. Because he gave his life for our sins according to the scriptures. He laid his life down, no man took it from him. And he took his life back up again, there again. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again the third day. Buried and, on, and was, rose again the third day. And many seen it, testified of it. And there's the gospel message that we have to believe. Not that he just lived, but he died for your sins and was buried and rose again. If he just died for our sins and that was it, But he got up. And because that, then everything that we read about him being the high priest in Hebrews Amen. takes effect. Like we have already read there in Hebrews. Verse number, chapter 7, verse 23. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He continued forever because he got up. He's God. He sat down. He finished. It is finished. Woo. And see, we're understanding these Old Testament furnishings and tabernacles and, and, and uh, actions, workings in the, in the tabernacle points to everything that we read in the, in the New Testament and Hebrews and other places. So we, about looking back, we can understand, looking at the old, we can understand the new. Because we see Christ in it all. And we understand him, all these things. Uh, we understand in him are all these things. He's holy, he's pure, He's continual. <laughs> he, he, he suffered. And that bread speaks of all that. You think of the grain of wheat. It, it, and, and, then, and that's another thing. He talks about the grain being put in the ground and dying and bringing forth a new life. So again, all that points in typology to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we're reading the Old Testament in the study, don't just like, look for Christ in each chapter. Look for Christ in every verse, but look for Christ in each chapter for sure because he's there in the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament saints, if you want to, looking forward because they'd already seen him in the Old Testament scriptures. And the they just didn't get it in the New Testament until Christ revealed all that was said in the Law and the Prophets about himself. And they're like, oh, we get it now. And then we have the privilege to have both the Old and the New Testaments here to compare and to point out these things in our studies of the Scriptures. And that's what we're trying to do 
here on Sunday nights. And hopefully it's been a blessing to you tonight. It's a blessing to me uh, in just a lot of different other ways, but it's a blessing to me for sure.